Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. To those guests who've just joined us, welcome. Our next stop is the Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, we are approaching our station at the entrance to Main Street, USA, gateway to the seven theme lands of the Magic Kingdom. Welcome aboard the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. This is Justin Monorail, and I am not alone. Joining me at the table today is... Chicken Nugget. The original chicken, the OG Chicken Nugget, Garrett Monorail. And joining us virtually on the Monday Morning Monorail Electric Magic Video Wire is... Well... It's Samantha Monorail, but a whole new level today, people. Yeah, that's true. Fresh off a visit to Epcot. First time visit to Epcot as a pass holder, officially. And as a person in 2019. Well, yes, as a person in 2019. But the big statement is that we got our very first annual pass. Yay, me! Yeah, very exciting. And along with it, of course, we did snag one of those figment magnets. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) People were just kind of crowding in on this poor man trying to scan everyone's magic bands or passes so he could give them one. And, I mean, people wanted one for everyone in the family. The littlest of kids were, like, getting a figment magnet. I was like, oh, gosh. (laughs) I was kind of wondering how that would work. I didn't know if they would do it, like, one per party or if, if, if it would end up being one per pass. I guess they can't really police it like one per party because... Yeah, it's one per pass. So I watched a family there, Sandy there for a very long time getting magnets because they had several small children. <laughs> yeah, I can see both sides of that because I'm thinking, you know, Garrett wants one. He would love mm-hmm. to have his own. But of course, we won't be able to get him down there with his pass before they're gone. Right. Can individuals get the sticker? What sticker? Isn't there like a sticker? No. Oh, I thought a car had on The magnets. Oh, you can put magnets on a car? Cars are metal. So <laughs> let's explain how magnets no, work. No, no, no. No, I, I was like, what if they like tamper with the insides of the car? No. What if they fall off? <laughs> like if the ride gets too bumpy? That doesn't... These are pretty... They're strong magnets. Oh, they're magnets. super strong magnets. Not super strong, but people put magnets... Strong, you know how strong like... enough. Around here, you're going to see people driving around on Saturdays with, like, Tennessee magnets on their cars, right? On college football well, Saturdays. I, already, I, I always imagined they were stickers. I mean, sometimes you could have static clings, but those would be more likely to fall off than, like, if you put that on a window. Unless it's on the inside, I guess. But, no, they're I mean, magnets. If you see them on the doors, the back of the, tr- the car or whatever. Hmm. People can put stickers, like bumper stickers, but... Yeah, these are magnets. Yeah, I, I, I can see today. where Garrett thinks that they're stickers. That makes sense, Garrett. But this is like a whole new lesson for Garrett. He didn't realize that people put magnets on their cars. <laughs> no, I thought that that was forbidden. <laughs> no, no, not no, forbidden. No, so these, this is why... Well, we, I want a sticker for my laptop. Yeah, no, just put your put the magnet on there. It'll be fine. <laughs> no. I'm sure it'll be fine. Well, why do you think I said I want a sticker on it? The magnet will be fine. Yeah, the magnet will be fine. (laughs) 
So anyway, that started just because I was saying I could understand because kids are going to want these. I know Garrett would want one himself. I know McKenna would probably love to have one for her car. So I don't know if she'll put it on her car, but I could see her wanting to have one as well. And I know I would love to have one. Um, right. But unfortunately, ours will be non-figment pass holder magnets whenever we get them because this was just part of the Festival of the Arts. So, Oh, man. But I'm, I'm glad because this was a goal for me when I realized that these special magnets were coming out for Festival of the Arts and they had figment on them. I was like, we have to work it out to where Sam can get her driver's license in time to get in there, get her Florida resident annual pass, and go to Epcot to go get one of these magnets. And they're, while supplies last, I mean, there's no guarantee that we would have gotten one today. So yeah. I'm grateful. Yeah. And I don't know if we're planning on talking about my trip at all, but figment's everywhere right now in Epcot. Oh, I it's love it. really cool. This is like really the Festival cool. of Figment. Yeah. The 2019 International Festival of Figment. And there was an artist there that did an amazing painting of Figment right there. Like, I watched part of it. And whenever I walked back by, it was amazing. It was gorgeous. They did such a good job. Was it one of those speed painting things? I don't know. I guess so. Because they're doing that, that, I think. They're doing, like, speed painting demonstrations. Yeah, well... This person painted a pretty big picture of Figment, and it was nice. Have you ever seen those people do it? Like, sometimes they'll use two paintbrushes, and they go, like, really, really fast all over the canvas. You can't even tell what it is until it's almost done. Or was this person oh. actually standing and, like, you know... I wasn't able to catch everything that was happening because it was crowded. Did you see them painting? Yes! Were they moving real fast, or were they just kind of painting and doing the detail? I mean, you I can tell... Know. Are you... You can tell. It's it's pretty easy. Okay, I'm going to assume it was just regular painting then. I think they were just regularly painting. That's what I'm asking. That's the question. brushes flying off of the canvas. Okay, these people that do the speed paintings paint like whole portraits in like 30 seconds. No, 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 no. Wasn't that fast. Okay, so there you go. That... (laughs) That's what I'm saying. There's a very, it's obvious to tell when someone's doing speed painting. Okay. Okay. Man, that, sorry. Jeez. That's a cool talent to be able to paint that fast. You should see, th- there's some pretty cool videos on YouTube of people doing it. They do it at like halftime of, of sporting events and stuff. They'll have like a big canvas. They get out there with two paintbrushes flying. They, they look like the Tasmanian devil. And then uh, once they're done, they've painted a beautiful picture of like Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Celebrating Black History Month. Happy Black History Month, by the way. Yeah, so, happy um, Black History. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, we got started here, and I didn't say, this is episode number 42 of the Monday Morning Monorail podcast, <laughs> and it is February the 4th, our first episode of February. January is behind us, and we are riding the rails on into, hopefully, spring very soon, because I'm done with the cold weather. Although, it was very pleasant today. We were out doing some running around here, and it was like 67 degrees, and it had been in the 30s all week, so yeah, that was welcome. Yeah, it was nice here. Yeah, well, obviously, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. You were in the most magical place on Earth. I was. Yeah, obviously <laughs> wearing a t-shirt in your pictures. You uh, took advantage already, now that you have your annual pass, of the photo pass. Oh, God. That was the most awkward situation ever. I was like, I don't know how to pose alone. I've not... Oh, yeah. I guess I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Because we're always taking group pictures. We just, you know, group up, put the arms around the kids. Yeah, and I look like I'm hugging someone, but how do I stand by myself? So what do I do? I look awkward. No, no, actually, you looked like you were trying to do the figment pose that's on your shirt. Because he's got his hands kind of on his hips. Power pose. Superhero figment. Okay, yeah. Even the guy was kind of like, 
okay, that's not working. He was like, okay, let's put Figment in your picture. Point up. He was like, you'll see a special magical surprise. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, and then I was walking away to get my stuff after the photo pass pictures were taken. And this lady goes, you did great. You look good in those poses. And I was like, oh God, I that look makes so it even ridiculous. More awkward. So that's really funny because it's like, it just made me think that would be kind of a fun thing to do one day if you're in the parks. Just go to all the photo pass places by yourself and just stand awkwardly just notice like just just stand there and be like all right here we go and just look like you're totally they'd be like why are you even doing this like <laughs> i did i i really felt ridiculous i did and i was trying not to but i did so I think they look good, and we'll probably share your figment pictures later on, but I like to spread these things out. I like to really milk our uh, social media content when we get some pictures and stuff. Yeah, 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 you were posting things from our last Disney trip, even recently. Yeah, I was posting, like, I was trying to do, like, a picture a day. I'm starting to get to the point where I can't remember what I posted, so there may be some duplicates that start coming soon on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram, Monday Morning Monorail. Yep. I think you might, did you add something yet? I did. Okay. So go check out what Sam added on uh, Saturday. You're listening to this on a Monday. Go and look at our Saturday post two days ago and see what Sam added. But yeah, exciting stuff. This is a, we're opening a new chapter for the Monday Morning Monorail. Official pass holders, you know, we kind of dipped our toe into the reviews that we're going to be doing for restaurants and things as you've been going to Disney Springs. And we'll talk about another one in just a second. Actually, why don't we just talk about it now? So, as part of today's adventure, you started out, you went to guest services at Disney Springs to get your pass, and then you went over to a place that had been requested by some of our friends on Twitter. So, where did you end up going? So, I ended up going to Enzo's Hideaway. I've been wanting to go to the hideaway anyways, because it's kind of got that speakeasy vibe, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, which is really neat. And they have it set up like it's like a exclusive kind of club or whatever. So when you go in, it looks really neat. It looks really nice. I'm not really sure. I guess it's supposed to be Italian, Mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. Because everybody there, they were talking to each other in Italian, and it was kind of fun. It felt like you were really in a different place, like in a different country, but they all could speak to you in English, you know? (laughs) So they would just have full-on conversations loudly talking to each other. So yeah, I went there, and I had the hazelnut old-fashioned, and it was amazing hazelnut old-fashioned yeah interesting and it was so good that drink made that everything worth it and then i also got a soup it's called an italian soup like a a bean soup and it has vegetables and stuff and then i also got a is it caprese salad caprese caprese yeah okay so i got that (laughs) i don't know how to say it And it was fine. The salad was good. The soup, eh, you know, it was fine. It was kind of bland. But I like bland soups okay. I just probably <laughs> would have added some salt, you know. But So not- the star, the highlight was not the food of this trip. Not at all. But you didn't oh, really, I, I mean, I don't know that you can judge a place on soup and salad. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be too excited for bland soup. No. It was fine. But... 
I think that the pasta is like their specialty. So yeah. I probably you missed I, out. You did the yeah. same thing we did when we went to Planet Hollywood. You didn't get the stuff you were supposed to get. Yeah, but I don't really like a lot of pasta. So for me, if I would have ordered a pasta dish, I, I don't know if I would have been able to give it a great review anyways because I don't enjoy eating pasta. They have something there that you can get called shrimp Vesuvio. Gulf shrimp, spiral-shaped pasta, and spicy tomato sauce. That sounds very nice. I would have that. Sounds gross. Um, classic lasagna, rigatoni, and then... Spaghetti tre formaggi. So uh, that's spaghetti with three cheeses. Hello, Mario. <laughs> the soup you had, I think, was the seasonal zuppa di verdure e fagioli. Yeah, and, that's uh, exactly it. Roman version of the classic Italian bean soup. So that's not something I'm familiar with. It would I wouldn't have ordered it if I was there. I would be there for the pasta. Well, it had zucchini and carrots and onion, and it did have a little bit of pasta in it, but it was like all different types of shapes of pasta. Like it had fettuccine in it, it had macaronis in it, it had spiral noodles in it. So it was all of them, but there weren't a lot. And then it did have the, it looked like cannelli um, beans or something because they were a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, And I like those beans. So the only thing it needed was a little bit of salt. Assault. You could have assaulted it. Mm -hmm. Well, let me go ahead and apologize for my terrible Italian pronunciations, but uh, I like to pretend... Spaghetti. I like to pretend (laughs) that I can speak Italian sometimes. That was my language in college. I actually passed, so... Pasta. (laughs) That's how how I know how to say pasta. Oh, God. uh, Say something in Italian, then. Buongiorno! No one knows that. I know, but that's Italian. Ciao. Ciao, Bella. Ciao. So Enzo's Hideaway, that's a place that, I mean, I think, I think it's mostly a place you'd want to go to for drinks anyway. And as you said, it's kind of modeled after a speakeasy. It's like Prohibition era. It's supposed to be a tunnel where they hid the alcohol and now they've turned it into a, a restaurant because, yeah. you know, we're past the whole Prohibition thing. We've moved on. And, yeah. uh, and so that's the story behind the restaurant. What did you think about the atmosphere? Did you think it was a uh, pleasant atmosphere? It was I mean, it seemed like it was pretty um, immersive. You got people yelling at each other in Italian the whole time. Yeah, I mean, it is. It was the atmosphere was great. I would recommend 20 times over people need to go there and get that drink. It is delicious. Yeah. You know, don't I, I mean, unless you really like pasta and you want to try it. You know, you could probably just get like an appetizer to share at the table and have a couple of drinks. And that sounds like a perfect night there, you know, so. And here's what I would also recommend, too, is that the servers at all these restaurants, the cast members are always willing to help you with recommendations. And just like your experience at Wine Bar George, that's not unique to Wine Bar George. You can go anywhere any Disney restaurant on property and just say to them that, you know, what do you recommend? What's good on the menu? What should I try? And they'll help you out. So, yeah. And everybody was super nice. And I think if I hadn't already gone in there knowing what I wanted, I could have asked those questions. So I had a good time there. Good. It's not going to be Morimoto and it won't be wine bar George necessarily on the food part, but man, that drink, that drink, is delicious and i i want to figure out how to make it at home (laughs) yeah we should i know you walked over to epcot you went into the international gateway and first of all you sent me a picture of the gondola construction i saw a big green saw the big green wall but i could also see the uh, gondola station so 
how did it look? What did you think? I think it'll look cute. I yeah. don't know. Maybe I, not. I, I have right. no idea. I think it'll be But fun. I'm also cool. not like a old school. Uh, You're not an old grumpy person. Just say it. That's fine. No. Say it. I'm not saying I'm not say an it. old grumpy person. <laughs> Garrett is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what about Festival of the Arts activities? I mean, did you kind of see some of that stuff going on as you were walking around Epcot? Yeah, so um, the paintings were really cool. They had a lady doing some scarf di- scarves dyeing, like dyeing them. Oh yeah, like with the where they like dip the scarf in a like a tub of liquid or whatever. Yeah, and it looked really cool. You know, just a lot of different things. And then they had activities for kids, and they also had that uh, figment mosaic. Oh, yeah. And it kind of looked like that Andy Warhol kind of feel to it, you know? Hmm. It was cool. And people were painting that. Um, Of course, there's food and drinks everywhere and bands playing, so it was fun. Did you try any of the food and drink? I did. So I had some hot sake and some spicy sushi rolls. And I don't think that was necessarily part of the event, though. (laughs) I wanted to get this sushi donut. And whenever I saw someone bring it, they were carrying it. I I looked at it and actually I was thinking it and then they said it. It was kind of like mostly rice and then just like really thin vegetables and really thin fish on top so it didn't look worth it to me and then i also had lobster chips and i had uh, a bloody mary that had a like candied pork belly on it it was so good (laughs) where did the lobster chips come from So the lobster chips are located in the Showcase Plaza, Mm -hmm. and it's served at the refreshment port. Okay. And and what did they come with? Chips and lobster. What else? How is it prepared? So it's lobster topped on chips with a cheese sauce, like a, a lobster bisque cheese sauce, and pickled jalapenos, and then like a citrus cream sauce. Cheddar Bay biscuits on the side? No, but that would have been good. (laughs) Um, That sounds really good, though. It was really good. I enjoyed it. The jalapenos give it a little kick, but it's not too spicy. I I thought it was great. Sounds good. Um, It was a little rich and salty. So uh, after I was done, you know, while I was eating it, I was chasing it with Bloody Mary, which is also salty. So I was pretty much dying of thirst after that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm chugging water because, you know, all that salt. How was the Bloody Mary? It was good. I don't think they put any alcohol in it, but um, I like the mix. <laughs> you had a, a nice spicy tomato juice. Yeah, yeah. What's the point of it if there's no, no alcohol? Right. Garrett knows. Garrett, what's the, I've never why is that coming one. out of your mouth? I've never had one, and I don't really think it sounds good, but what's the point? Yeah, well. <laughs> I don't like tomato juice. They put uh, they put a teaspoon of ap- alcohol in it so they can charge you $15 for a six-ounce sample. Hey, that pork belly that was hanging on the stick was pretty tasty, so. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you enjoyed it, and um, I'm glad you got to do this today, your first of many adventures coming yeah, up. Yeah, and I want to add. Yes. Soren. Oh, yeah. You know, I didn't even think about what rides you did. Okay, thank you. I, re- 
remember riding Soren, but it's been a while. Well, they've changed I... it too, you know. Oh, so, okay. So when we wrote it, it was still Soren over California, and now it's Soren over the world. Soren around the world. Well, it's amazing. Like What? I, it's so fun. It's like cool. It was so fun to watch. I mean, I like it, and I forgot how, how cool it was, you know? <laughs> This is interesting because I think people who got to ride Soarin' Over California more than what we did, they are very critical over Soarin' Around the World. And they say that like things like the Eiffel Tower is curved, like the camera angles are weird or the projection's weird, so it like makes things misshapen. But also oh. like some of the other things that I just hear people say is it's just not as... It's not as good as what Soaring Over California was. It needed an upgrade because they needed to do like a ultra high definition video and things like that. But the reviews typically are not great for Soaring Around the World. Really? I had fun. And Landon will tell you that in his opinion, Soaring's the most overrated ride in all of Walt Disney World. Well, <laughs> I liked it. That's li- I'm, I'm putting it out there. Remember, if you want to talk to Landon about it, L-A-N-D-O-Z on Twitter. I like it because it's a unique ride mechanism. It's not something you can do anywhere else. I like that they have the smells. I like the wind blowing in your face. It's a fun experience. I'm not going to say it's the most overrated ride in Walt Disney World. I just don't think it's as amazing as what some people might say it is. But I haven't done Soaring Around the World, so I really can't I can't speak to this version. But, yeah. It was fine being on a Fast Pass, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, but, yeah, because you had Fast Pass. Oh, that's something else we should say. Why did you why did you have fast passes today? So I went and talked to the DVC people. You didn't just talk to them, you did a DVC tour. I did. Well, I didn't <laughs> go out on a tour, but I got like all the numbers and everything and the lady was really good cuz I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> so how does that get her fast passes? So if you go participate in a DVC like sales pitch situation, which I thought they would take you and sh- they didn't even show you a model or anything? No. I, I don't know why. She didn't even ask if I wanted to. Oh, well. Did she have like a screen where she showed you pictures of things or? Yes. Oh, well, that that's okay, but I'd much rather do like a walkthrough of a room. Yeah. Um... I mean, it was fine. Well, Um, anyway, the way that it works with like timeshare companies is they'll tell you, hey, if you go do this tour at this timeshare property, we'll give you something in return. So not only did mom get three fast passes for doing it, she also got $25 gift card, (laughs) (laughs) which Um, went toward my figment shirt. (laughs) So pass holders don't get fast passes. You do. You just can't book them 60 days in advance. Hmm. Because in order to book them 60 days in advance, you have to have a reservation, a room reservation. you can book them the day before? So annual pass holders can make fast pass selections up to 30 days in advance. So if you have a reservation at the Walt Disney World Resort at one of their resort hotel rooms, you get 60 days. Annual pass holders get 30. But you can book them the day before. Yeah, because that's within 30 days. Yeah. Anything within 30 days you can book. See, an annual pass holder doesn't really have to worry about that then. Worry about what? How long they can wait to book them. Well, how how early they can book them because you can just uh, walk up to Disney. You don't really have to go and be there in 30 days. Right. But here's the advantage. Like, say we know we're going to go to the park. Like, today is February 4th. We know we're going to go to the park for the 26th or something. Who knows why? February 26th, we're going to go to the parks. 
we'd want to go ahead and jump on and be like, oh, we're going to go to Magic Kingdom that day. Let's see if any good Fast Passes are available. You're going to want to do that because the Fast Passes are limited. If we don't book them now, other people might do it. And then if we wait till the day before, there might not be any left Mm. or any good ones. I get it. Yeah. But anyway, okay. So you did the DVC quote unquote tour. I know you didn't tour anything, but I'm going to keep calling it tour because I don't know what else to call it. DVC meeting. Preview. DVC sales pitch opportunity. Yep. And and she sold you on it. You're ready to do it, which I don't know why it took that because I've been selling you on it for years, but... Yeah, I think. Yeah, but you didn't have numbers. I've had visual aids. We ordered one of those uh, those free DVDs that tell you all about the DVC ownership opportunities. Right, but all I saw was look at all of this, and I'm like, how much does that all that cost? You know, and we have some of that on there, I think. On the the TV in the hotels, we saw a DVC thing. Yeah, Garrett sold on Copper Creek, by the way. I know. I'm thinking. I just like the design of it. You like the rustic, outdoorsy look. Yeah, because recently I've just fallen in love with that. He wants he. That's the reason he wants it. He wants to be able to wear his flannel there and act yeah. like he's in the mountains. <laughs> if we're going away from the mountains, I need somewhere to feel like yeah, I'm in the mountains. That's a good point. Yeah. Make us feel like we're back in the good old Appalachians. Um, I love them. <laughs> only only when we are ready to move does Garrett express his love for the mountains. <laughs> How long were you there? That would be a good question. So we actually went for about an hour and probably hour 15, hour 20 minutes. But I ask a lot of questions because I'm suspicious. Yeah. What were the things that really sold you on it this time? I think it helped to visually see how much each property needs in points and what time of year. Yeah. So... So you know, points and, points per night based on yeah. the time of year. Yeah. Yeah. And that helped because I was like, so how, like, do these points go a long way? Like, are they going to, you know, I don't know. And and I think that um, there's some pretty good deals, you know. So uh, I don't know. It was just cool getting to actually really see all of it without just seeing the uh, flashy fun stuff like I get to see how expensive it is you know well I'm a big fan of like VIP access and so the thing one of the things that sells me on this is access to all the DVC lounges and things like that also oh yeah since we don't have to make that huge expense for going to Disney all the time Mm -hmm. now we have room for DVC so that's why we should (laughs) Well, Garrett, DVC still isn't cheap, <laughs> so yeah. that's the thing. We're gonna we're gonna do. Yeah, it, but though. now we have an annual pass. I'm thinking that maybe we should consider our home property being reflections. That'll Excuse cool. me. <laughs> <laughs> It'll remind also, me of illuminations, reflections of Earth, since that'll be gone. Where where is that? It's the one they're building on the site of River Country. So it'll be close to Wilderness Lodge and it's gonna be kind of a modern outdoor aesthetic. I either wanna do the one uh the the Copper Creek one, or isn't there one at the contemporary Yeah, Bay Lake Tower. Mm-hmm. The, or that one. That would be nice. I'd buy that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little more. It's expensive, yeah. Yeah, but it's amazing. So you have to pick a home property, right? Right. And and your points your contract is going to be, it's going to vary based on your home property. So if you were to buy 
Old Key West, I think, is the cheapest one. I don't even know if that's still available, but I think it's the cheapest one. I could look. And um, so if you bought like 100 points at Old Key West, that contract's going to be lower than 100 points at Bay Lake pa- Tower. Is that right? Um, I don't know. I, she didn't say that. I think, she didn't say that. Well, this would be a good question to ask our friends, the DVC duo. I want to give them a shout out really quick. DVC duo at DVC duo. Nate and Serena, they do Disney blogging. They do some Disney vlogging and they're DVC members. They, and apparently they have been for 25 plus years. So mom, Sam Monorail is actually going to be hanging out with them this week. And we're cooking up a little plan to do a little interview about DVC with Nate and Serena. So if you weren't sold already, I'm hoping that they're going to just, this is going to seal the deal. <laughs> I mean, they've been doing it for 25 plus years. They must be enjoying it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that it will make me feel like, oh, I'm doing the right thing. So yeah, coming up on a future episode, make sure you stay subscribed because yes. lots of exciting things coming up. We have some very fun episodes um, planned for you in the in the next several. So, and that's just one of them. So stick yeah. with us. We're oh. always thinking about the cool stuff we can do. Yeah, and it's fun to bring on people and get some different point of views, perspectives, some uh, voice variety. Yes. Although I can do that myself. Oh my gosh. What do you want to hear? Hey. Uh. <laughs> then you've got chicken nugget over here. Chicken nugget over here. See, that was another one. I think we should wrap up segment one today. We're going to take a little trip over to M34D, and then we're going to come back. And in segment three, we're going to talk a little character dining. On Friday, I ask a question to all of you about specifically character breakfast. But I think we're just going to talk some character dining. We got a huge response, so it made me feel like, you know what? This would be a fun topic for the show. So come back. Stick around for that. Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. This is the Disney Deep Dive with the Dawes, and joining me once again from the land of Dawes is Landon, the Dawes known. Landon, welcome back to the Monorail. Uh, glad to be here, but we uh, like to refer to ourselves uh, coming from the sovereign nation of Polandon. So. <laughs> okay. It's just FYI going forward. I was just trying to set it up so you'd have to sing some sort of a Munchkin Land-like song about the land of Dawes. Well, um, uh, as we've discussed before this, if you want me to sing on this, you need to re-up my contract. <laughs> that's, that's true. It's not included you don't, in the it, current terms. You get the voice for free. You don't get the voice for I got, free. I got you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, today we are continuing our quest to review, recap, dig in, do a deep dive to all of the attractions in Walt Disney World, starting with the Magic Kingdom. We have, I don't know if you noticed, but we made it through all the day one attractions to this point. So we are currently um, working our way through attractions that came a little bit later. And um, this one I'm throwing in, even though it's a little bit out of order, just because um, we're starting to get towards the point where we're going to hit some really heavy hitters. Um, This one is one that has come and gone, and it's one that's close to my heart 
Um, I remember it very fondly, just like Delta Dream Flight. It's one of those that, you know, my memory probably makes it out to be a little better than what it actually was. And, and maybe if it were there today, I don't know if I'd spend a whole lot of time there. But it was one you could get a lot of people in, get a lot of people out. You know, it was a people eater. But you did have to stand for it. And I would stand out of respect for this ride. <laughs> and, of course, I'm talking about the timekeeper. Landon, yeah, you got to say it that way. Yeah, well, of course. Like I said, respect. Landon, I, I know we talked about this before. You didn't get a chance to experience the Timekeeper. And I'm assuming it's just because when you went between the years of 94 and 2006, you probably just didn't have any time to do it. And I don't really blame you. I get it. I understand. Did you get a chance to kind of, uh, did you watch a video of the Timekeeper attraction before we recorded today? I did get a chance to watch a video, but uh, this is an attraction I never got a chance to experience in person and it is funny you say i didn't have the time when i was inside the park despite the fact that it's called the timekeepers <laughs> attraction it really just came down to yeah when push came to shove there were other attractions i rather would have done and i did so yeah. you know yeah wasn't able to experience it in you know the first person which i mean if somebody had told me that Robin Williams was doing a v over or a, a vo spot on one of the uh robots I might have shown it up, but, you know, nobody did. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I seen some stuff on the YouTubes. Yeah. Well, this will be a fun walk through my memories. And, and of course, uh, like I said. Finally, a podcast all about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, you're the talent in the room. So, you know, you, you bring your classic style, grace, and charm, and we're going to get through this. Okay. <laughs> so, this ride actually opened up in Disneyland Paris before it ever opened up in the Magic Kingdom, and it opened up in Tokyo Disneyland. Duh. Yeah, so the, as opposed to a lot of the rides we've talked about to this point that came from Cali Disneyland to Walt Disney World, this one was overseas, over the pond, if you will. Mm, over, I'd, I'd, I'd be curious how many attractions started in the overseas Disney and then you know just copy-pasted themselves into the states i'd be curious if uh, yeah uh, that that'd be interesting to know um off the top of my head i can't think of too many this is one we're going to be getting one soon when tron coaster appears yeah. in tomorrowland in the next year or so um that's be cool. oh yeah i'm pretty fired up about that but that's that's for another day yeah that's a good question and um i don't know Thank the answer you. i to thought it. so too good job thank you for bringing Thanks. it up See, exactly. I told you, you bring something to the table. <laughs> but it did open in the Magic Kingdom here in lovely Florida in the United States in November 21st, on November 21st, 1994. And it was open. I was actually surprised that it was open until 2006. That kind of um, surprised me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was I was surprised it had that long of a run, too. Because yeah. like it, it, it almost seems kind of quietly it had that long of a yeah. run. Right, because in my memories, it was a 90s thing. Like, I just don't <laughs> yes. remember it being there in the 2000s. And if you watch the videos, and I encourage you to do so, as usual, <laughs> um, you will see it has a very 90s feel to it. I mean, it debuted in, in uh, the Disneyland Paris Park in 92, and this, yeah, I mean, it feels like it was made in, like, the ni early 90s. But... It was still really cool. And one of my favorite things about it, you already mentioned, the your host, the timekeeper himself, the titular character, yeah. was a animatronic robot, and his voice acting was performed by Robin Williams. The famous, the Hall of Fame Disney Robin Williams, I mean, the genie himself, Robin Williams. The Robin Williams. The Robin Williams. But joining him, another talented individual, 
uh, playing the part of Nine Eye, who in my mind looked very much like an Imperial probe droid. Nine Eye was played by Rhea Perlman. Yeah, see, like I, I, I'd heard about the Robin Williams stuff, and it's like obviously when you listen to the video, that's very obviously Robin Williams. Had no idea it was Rhea Perlman until we started doing, uh, doing, you know, notes for this. Exactly, I was the very- same. I was the same way. I did not realize that either. But once you know it, you're like, oh, yeah, that does sound like Rhea Perlman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. So talented actors um, contributing their voices to this attraction. And the pre-show, basically, when you're standing outside, it was similar because now nowadays it's the Monster Inc. laugh floor. And there isn't a lot changed from the layout. When you, when you walked in, you were in kind of a long hallway and they had TV set up that would be a pre-show and it talked about preparing Nine-Eye uh, for the rigors of time travel. And um, that video was always fun to watch and it gave you a, a nice hint about what you were getting ready to step into. And Nine-Eye in Attraction Story, <laughs> canonically, was created because your trip through time, you're not actually going to be traveling through time. Last week, when we were talking about Flight to the Moon... <laughs> We were, I'm going to put in quotes. When we were talking about Flight to the Moon and Mission to Mars. Well, we were talking around we that did. attraction. Yeah. In the round, which is appropriate for this. Um, wow. This is just... The connective tissue is unbelievable. <laughs> but Nine Eye was created because when you walk into the auditorium for this attraction, and there are lean rails for leaning, not sitting, for leaning. And also for low calorie. For low calorie. <laughs> That got me. That was pretty good. Um, you you stood the whole time, but you were surrounded 360 degrees by screens that, and you were getting that visual because Nine Eye had nine eyes all the way around her Imperial probe droid body. So as she flew through time, through the vortex of time, you got to see different points of history and experience that through those nine eyes. So it's endearing from the beginning because. This droid that you meet, I don't know if I should call him a droid, is that like trademark Star Wars? This robot that you meet, he's kind of like a nutty professor, you know? Things Wearing are, a fat suit? <laughs> steam's, steam is shooting from his console. Like, he's right there. Oh, in the, okay, okay. He's right there in the room with you. He's, like, talking about, like, I don't know what this button does and pressing all sorts of things. The console moves, it lights up. And then he farts. He farts, yeah. Robot fart. And... Uh, and it's then, like the professor. when the, when uh, he actually starts talking to you as you move into the room, and that's one of the things that like I remember enjoying so much about the about this attraction is that it really feels like you're there for like a science convention, a technology exposition, which is essentially what this is supposed to be. And you've got the professor, the nutty professor robot, up there on stage greeting you, telling you to come in, and um, and, and it's they typical. visit Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Robin Williams was perfect for this because right he. He was known for doing all his crazy voices and all his different personalities and everything that he would do. And so, as this robot, he does. And you got to experience just a lot of different things, um, you know, from his performance. And you come in. uh, He kind of introduces you to Nine-Eye. Nine-Eye shows up in the room, floating around behind him. Amazing technology. And then he zaps her into the time vortex, and off we go. From then on, you are surrounded by the visuals, the 360-degree screens all around you, and um, your uh, the, the film. So, talking about the film, your first stop is back in the Jurassic period, and then she gets sent to Nine. I get sent to 1450 on a Scottish battlefield, and then he, she goes to 1503 at the height of the Renaissance, 
So at this point, you get to see Leonardo da Vinci, and uh, he's painting the Mona Lisa, and he happens to notice Nine-Eye. So you got to zap her out of there before she gets caught by anybody. She gets she gets sent to since 1763 in a French castle. Um, you get to see Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart uh, playing for a crowd, and then she's sent from there to an exposition where you get to actually meet Jules Verne and H.G. Wells. This part was pretty interesting because one of my all-time favorite Disney contributors, Disney characters, he actually plays a part in this. And um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> no, JT was not there for this, but instead, Jeremy Irons makes an appearance. And mm. yeah. Um, one See, of, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, Jeremy Irons is there. He actually plays H.G. Um, Wells. And then... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and of course... As, you know, nerdy scientists are wont to do, Jules Verne and H.G. Wells are, are having a debate. Nine-Eye shows up in the middle. She gets herself involved, and hilarity ensues. They end up, <laughs> they end up taking Jules Verne back through time to see, like, all the different, you know, things, and they even go into the future. As I said, this is one of those attractions that, you know, maybe... Maybe nowadays people wouldn't want to make time for because people don't have the, you know, it was, it was maybe a 20 minute kind of experience. And I don't know if people have the, the patience to kind of sit through Ooh. it and experience the whole thing. But um, that's a chunk of time. Yeah, they might have to shorten it up. Maybe they'll they'll give it the old country bear jamboree treatment and shorten it to like <laughs> 10 minutes or something so people can get in and out. I enjoy it. Like I said, maybe it's just the the magic of memories that. For me, I, I remember it so fondly because as a kid, it was well, the fact that Robin Williams and Jeremy Irons is on the uh, VO track. That's I mean, true. That's 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 pretty strong right there. That makes a pretty big difference. I don't know who played Jules Verne. I'm gonna Google it right. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Jeeves. <laughs> Let's go ask this fake butler. Hey Jeeves, who played Jules Verne in The Timekeeper? It was played by Michael Piccoli, who I'm not familiar with actually. Yeah, I'm not familiar with him. Yeah, Jeremy. Sorry, Michael P. He was a French actor and filmmaker of Ticino descent, or Ticino. He has one of the longest careers in French cinema and is regarded worldwide as a symbol of France's film history. So, yeah. Well, apparently we're some uncultured swines. Yeah, specifically through the period of the 60s and 70s. So he was, you know, in his upper years by the time that he uh, participated in the Timekeeper film. But this also kind of makes a lot of sense about, you know, it, this premiered in, in Disneyland Paris, right? And, of course, you to bring the people in there, get the interest, they bring in a guy like, uh, oh, his name is probably Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Michelle, Michelle Piccoli. They bring in uh, Michelle Piccoli, and that's going to bring people, get the butts, or there are no seats, get the feet on the ground. I don't know. Get the heads the in the... proverbial let butts in the seats. <laughs> butts in the seats. So have I sold you on it? Do you wish you'd experienced it now? I kind of do wish I did experience it. Obviously, I've seen it through the videos, but you know, you lose something, experience it in person as yeah. opposed to you know just through the internet. And it's like, honestly, if somebody told me Robin Williams was voicing, uh, it was part of the voiceover track in this attraction, that would have been enough for me. But yeah, it's like if I had to do it over again, if I was a uh, some sort of keeper of time where I found uh, some time where I could go back and check out this attraction, I would. Yeah, absolutely. I will say, <laughs> <laughs> during his trip through time, riding along with the Imperial Probe droid, 
Jules Verne's life was in danger many, many times, and uh, hmm. he seemed to be totally fine with it. So, yeah, well, you know, I guess if you're gonna travel through time, you have to be a little bit uh, cavalier with your own life. I guess so. It's not something non-cavalier people do, Jay. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Timekeeper, R.I.P. Now we have um, the Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor. Have you gone and experienced that one, Landon? <laughs> No. No, you have not? No, I have not. I'm sorry. It, it it might be a fine enough attraction, but I need people to tell me it's a fine enough attraction because as we've talked about, and this is kind of, you know, appropriate with this uh, said attraction, Timekeeper, time is the most important thing, most important commodity you have when it comes to uh, what you have inside said parks. And I don't know if I want to, you know, spend my time on the Monsters, Inc. laugh floor. That's fine. It's, um... I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. On a day like today, um, okay, so on a day, let me rephrase, rephrase. on a day where it's 100% chance of rain, and it might be like, you know, a soggy day in the Magic Kingdom. Starting to see its appeal at that point, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it'd be a good way to go spend some time and stay dry for a little while, and uh, it's, it's funny enough, and it's different every time, because you've got, you know, live voice actors um, kind of, you know, doing the performance. So... It can be fun. I would say it's definitely one of those things that I think it's for the kids, for sure. So, But we're going to talk more about Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor on another day. Yeah, so, that's what we call a tease in the biz. Until next time, <laughs> if you need more content because you just can't get enough Landon Doan, let me tell you how to do it. You can go to his website, buttmuchchips.com. There you can find Game of Thrones Talk, which is Got Talk. Coming back because we've got another season of Game of Thrones coming at you. When's the premiere date? April 18th, I think. That's what I was thinking, coming up in April. Um, but I could be wrong. But if I'm wrong, be sure to listen on the podcast and I'll let you know that I'm wrong. If you're wrong you, and you all want to go complain to him, at hit it. Oh, L-A-N-D-O-Z, please go follow me. Landon Drone, I'm the best. Landon Drone. Not the rest. And I was totally wrong on that day. I apologize. <laughs> oh, what is it? Uh, I don't know, but the 18th of April is a Thursday. So I'm willing to bet that HBO is not going to drop the much-anticipated uh, new Final. season debut of uh, Game of Thrones on a Thursday. Yeah, probably not. Usually it's Sundays. so We'll, we'll say the 14th of April okay. until I'm proven otherwise. All right. So there you go. Suck it, ding dongs. <laughs> um, you can also catch up on his wrestling podcast, Near Fall Radio, and who knows, maybe we'll drop a new episode of that coming up pretty soon. And there's lots of other uh, delicious land and variety you can find at buttmuchchips.com. The other thing you could do is stream 98.7 Knoxville's <laughs> News Talk Radio and listen to the Landon Doan on the Phil Show every Monday to Friday. From what six to nine? Uh, six to ten a.m. Eastern 10. Standard Time. Uh, myself and Phil Williams coming at you live on the news and talk of East Tennessee News Talk ninety eight seven WOKI. That's right. He's the real on air talent. I'm telling you, <laughs> Landon's the one that gets the. He, he's the one that sells the tickets, and I do the research. That's what we do. No. Landon's the one that tricks somebody into giving him a paycheck. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's how we finish that sentence. Okay. Well, Landon, thanks for joining me for another M340. Looking forward to doing it again next week. That sounds good, buddy.
Welcome back to the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. Hope you enjoyed M34D today. I know I did because we were talking about one of my favorite gone but not forgotten attractions, which was the Timekeeper. Okay, so we, the four of us, have done a little character dining, specifically at Ohana. We had an Ohana breakfast. We got to meet Lilo, Stitch, Mickey, and Pluto. I, growing up, did character dining at the Contemporary at Chef Mickey's which was a fun experience and that I um, still re- remember pretty vividly. I think I did it a couple of times. Did you and McKenna do a character meal? No. You didn't do a character meal? Mm-mm. Okay. No, I was, uh, I was going off of a budget whenever I went, and I didn't have enough money to do extra. Yeah, and that's a very good point. I mean, character dining is always expensive, yes. and that's something that actually gets brought up by some of our responses that we got on the the Twitter account. So again, you want to follow us on Twitter because every week I'm trying to put out some cool content. I'm going to share news with you guys, but also I like to ask you questions. I might put out polls and it's really fun to interact with you on this stuff. So here's what I said. I've had breakfast at Ohana with Lilo and Stitch. I've also enjoyed an early meal over at Chef Mickey's with the Fab Five. Both fun, both totally different experiences. Personally, I preferred Ohana. What's your favorite character breakfast at Walt Disney World and why? We got all kinds of responses. We can just kind of walk through this and they're going to school us on what we're missing out on. Number one was a response from at Magic by Pixie. And they said the Tusker House, especially for the juice. It's so yummy. And so first of all, Tusker House is something that we we actually almost did it on the previous trip, not for breakfast, but we were going to go for dinner um, mm-hmm. because it looked like a cool experience, and we decided not to just because I was like, I it's hard for me to justify paying that much money for a meal that I know Garrett's going to have like a couple bites of and, and not really want anything else from. Right. Um, but the thing that caught my eye on this one was the juice, and you're going to see this is this comes back. It's not the only juice that gets mentioned on this thread. They said that this is similar similar to juice that you might get over at Ohana, but it's full of vitamins and tasty. And then at BridgieB82 said Tusker House Breakfast is fantastic. So this is something I feel like we ought to try at some point. A little context around Tusker House. This is located in the Harambe village of Africa in the animal kingdom. And the characters you get to meet there are Mickey, Goofy, Daisy, and Donald in safari gear, which is pretty That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, they walk around to the tables, and there's even a dance party around the dining room that you can participate in. Yeah. The food, it says on the food, there are African, or on the buffet, are African flavors in addition to American classics, such as Mickey Waffles and bacon. So, I mean, and the jungle juice. It mentions, like, this, I got a lot of information from um, wdwprepschool.com and also undercovertourist.com, and they specifically call out the jungle juice. So... It wasn't just Pixie, you know, throwing something out there that they are, you know, the only people that enjoy. This is seems like a pretty common thing that the jungle juice is where it's at. So I bet the jungle juice has death in it, huh? Pineapple. It may. We have to look it up. (laughs) Yeah, it might. Could be a danger juice. But pineapples aren't really a jungle thing, are they? They're more tropical. They are, yeah, but they may just be calling it jungle juice, but it's got tropical fruits in it. Who knows? Mm. Like, what are they going to put in a jungle juice? Monkeys. Bananas. Yeah, bananas. Bananas. Oh, that would be good. (laughs) Banana juice. You don't really (laughs) have banana juice. Banana smoothies. Yeah, you can do that. Moving on, Eric Neal said, 
Ohana's where it's at, but we had so much fun with Chippendale at the Garden Grill in December. We ate there for breakfast to get tickets to the Candlelight Processional. Good food, great meet and greet. And Sam Zimmerman's uh, also gave a shout out for Garden Grill. Food's great, unique characters, and you spin. So a little information about the Garden Grill. This is Chippendale's Harvest Feast at Garden Grill. And the restaurant is located in the Land Pavilion at Epcot, which is a, a great location. It also has scenic views of living with the land, so more bonus points. And the restaurant rotates. Okay, can we go there? I think we should. This one is going up my list real fast. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love Chippendale. I've never been to a uh, spinning restaurant, but I really want to. Yeah. As long as it's not yeah. spinning too fast. Yeah, I mean, those Go are to the, the controls. rangers. Go over to the controls and make it spin really fast. That's right. <laughs> and food would be coming up instead of going down. The characters you get to meet at this meal are Chippendale, Pluto, and Mickey in farmer overalls. And they meet and play with the guests. They come around to the tables just like they do over at Tus- Tusker House. The food is classic American, bountiful portions served, all you care to eat, family style. So it's probably sim- similar, similar, similarly. <laughs> uh, it's probably similar to Ohana in that they bring it to you at the table and then you kind of pass it around. So that sounds pretty good too. I always like it when the food and the characters come to me. I'm sold. Yeah. I, that's that's not the same. I should say at Tusker House. I know I said buffet, but just specifically, you do have to go up, go through the buffet at Garden Grill. They bring it to you. So it's like family style? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. At Vacay Assistant said, or travel to Disney for less, they said Crystal Palace. Food is by far the best out of any character breakfasts. Crystal Palace is in the Magic Kingdom, and it's unique because you at Crystal Palace you get to meet uh, Winnie the Pooh characters. Oh, cool. <sighs> yeah, so the characters are Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Eeyore, and Piglet. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I would see them. I think they're so cute. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. And, and they're not characters you get to meet anywhere else, really. No. So the restaurant does serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and Pooh and Friends present all three meals buffet style. So this is another one you'd actually have to get up and go get your food, which is fine, but it's just not as good as food being brought to you. And they Tell do me it. they have something with honey. Oh, they have to. They'd have to. Yeah. The buffet features omelets and carved meats. Lots of good stuff. And honey. Just a lot of honey you can And honey. Yeah. Our new friend, Jeremy, at Main Street Magic, gave another shout out for Ohana. And he said, best food and we're a Lilo and Stitch kind of family. So, on the same page there. Allison threw out one that I hadn't even ever considered. At WDW Mini Bar, our good friend Allison on Twitter said, Trattoria Al Forno at the Boardwalk. Food is seriously incredible, plus you get to meet Flynn Ryder. So this one is the first one that we've talked about that's outside of the parks. This is actually in Disney um, at the boardwalk, Disney's boardwalk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I saw her picture. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Flynn bringing the classic smolder to the picture. Yep. (laughs) So the unique thing about Trattoria Al Forno, not only is it outside the parks, you get to meet the face characters and it's Eric and Ariel. And then it's Flynn and Rapunzel. That's cool. That would be awesome. As mentioned earlier at DVC Duo, they said an underrated one is Trattoria Alforno. Another shout out there. Food is solid and great character interactions. One of the few places to meet Tangled characters. More reason to go there. And I was looking at their menu and they have a breakfast calzone that looks really good. 
I would eat that. Yeah, that catches the eye. Isn't it calzone just inside out pizza? (laughs) Yes, it is. It is, yeah. At TTA underscore team underscore lead, our good friend Nick Salcedo, Capture the Magic Vacations, he said... Ohana is our pick. The ambience or ambiance, if you will. Ambiance. Views, characters, breakfast itself, and stitch juice. So there's the juice. That's what I'm telling you. Wasn't the volcano under construction when we were there? Yeah, they were redoing the volcano. So the environment wasn't as... So you're remembering the 2014 trip when we ate at Ohana. That's right. But remember when we went this past year in July, we walked around the pool at the Polynesian and we saw oh, the volcano. Yeah. So it was we looking didn't good. We see it from the same Not angle, from though. the same view. You're right. But yeah, at the time it was under construction. Good memory there, sir. But yeah, uh, Ohana's fun. Like I mentioned, they bring you food to the table. You've got Stitch, Lilo, Mickey, and Pluto. And they have like a parade that they do with the kids throughout the restaurant that we forced Garrett and McKenna to participate in when we went yes, to Slash. Yes, we did. We did I was very happy about that. <laughs> oh, you got to get in the spirit, man. You just got to participate. At Mike Zimmer's Ears, another shout out for Garden Grill. The food is awesome. I love the rotating restaurant and country attire on characters is homie. That's right, homie. <laughs> um, Sarah Tittlebaum at Shorty Stuff 2003 said, Ohana strictly for the stitch juice. Juice. Juice is bringing it in this thread. Yeah. It's not the characters as much. Well, characters are... It's it's almost equal. Characters, do they have good juice? Those are the questions. Who are the characters? Yeah. Do they bring the juice? Michael Sutton added one. Yeah. Michael Sutton at my Westies TV added one we hadn't talked about yet, which is Cape May Cafe. So this one is located at Disney's Beach Club Resort, and it's hosted by Minnie and Daisy, and they're wearing beachy clothes. Yeah. Barbara Antonio at Antonio Escape on Twitter said 1900. Mad Hatter and ER. Eeyore. <laughs> ER. <laughs> also Fab ER. Five. So 1900 Park Fair. That's one we haven't mentioned yet. And it is located in the Grand Floridian Resort. I think now is where I make the admission. This is one of my Disney Never Have I Ever. Not only have I never been to 1900 Park Fair, I have never stepped foot in the Grand Floridian Resort. I don't know how that's happened, but I have never been there. Me neither, which isn't as impressive. (laughs) So 1900 Park Fair is, again, at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort, and uh, they have a super califragilistic breakfast that has a buffet with made-to-order omelets, carved ham, and Mickey waffles, and the characters for breakfast are Mary Poppins, Alice, the Mad Hatter, Tigger, and Winnie the Pooh. So another oh, cool. that's cool. Yeah, another place you can meet Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, but Mary Poppins. That's not somebody you get to meet everywhere and Alice. Yeah. Uh, and the Mad Hatter. So that's pretty cool. The one thing that's kind of interesting about 1900 Park Fair is actually throughout the day the characters that you can meet change. Uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So like for example, if you come for dinner, it's called Ever After Dinner and you get to meet Cinderella, Prince Charming, Lady Tremaine, Anastasia, and Drizella. So, oh, nice. Yeah, so it's pretty neat. And they do the, a tea for lunch. The Wicked Stepmother and Stepsisters are always fun. Yeah, so that's a pretty fun experience. It's nice. It's really neat that they change it throughout the day. At Jody Wish MN or Magic MN on Twitter said Tusker House for the win because the food is lovely, unique, and good. Pre Pandora, based on at Jumbo Everyone advice, we'd book the latest ADR possible, have characters to ourselves, and then stroll through an empty Disney Animal Kingdom. 
good old days. What they're saying basically is is pre-Pandora, what they would do is is get the latest ADR they possibly could at Tusker House. And then they once they're out, they would um, come out and Disney's Animal Kingdom would basically be theirs for the taking. But things have changed there since Pandora opened. Yes. But uh, but yeah, another another vote for Tusker House right there. At Daffy Stardust said Trattoria Al Forno. Bon, jo- bon Voyage Breakfast at the Boardwalk. Excellent food, a high-end atmosphere, and all face characters, so the repartee is better. Paul Carroll at Carroll3 underscore P said, Ohana's our favorite, too, then straight to Magic Kingdom. And I'm just saying, I don't know if there's a better way to start the day than unlimited bacon being brought to your table, getting to hang out with Lilo and Stitch, and then hopping on the monorail and going to Magic Kingdom. It's I don't think there is anything better. Yeah, a pretty darn good way to start a day. Yeah. So, just really quickly, uh, those were all really good recommendations, and I really do think I'm sold on Garden Grill. I think Garden Grill and Trattoria Al Forno are two places that I think we really need to try the character experience really soon. But a couple places we didn't mention were the Akershus Royal Banquet Hall. So this one's in Epcot. It's actually located in the Norway Pavilion. At the Akershus Breakfast, you get to meet Belle in her yellow ball gown. Nice. Snow White. Aurora, Ariel, Mulan, Jasmine, and Cinderella all come through there. Okay, so even if the food sucks, what a cool thing. that Those are, like, amazing people to meet. Yeah, it's, it's like all the headlining princesses that you'd want to meet. Yeah. So that's, that's a pretty strong lineup right there. And um, I think that the breakfast would be a little unique because it's got Norwegian kind of style breakfast. Of course, it's going to have the American traditional stuff, but there's some Norwegian stuff on there as well. I'm t- I would like to try that one at some point. Um, yeah, definitely. And then we also didn't mention Cinderella's Royal Table, and probably because most people either A, cannot get a reservation at this place, or B, can't afford the reservations and the meal at this place because it is yeah. it is expensive. But this is the meal that's actually in Cinderella's castle. Oh, I do want to try and get there one day. Yeah, it would be pretty neat to try it out. You're actually greeted by Cinderella herself as you enter the castle, and then you ascend a spiral staircase to a banquet hall above that overlooks Fantasyland, and then you get to visit with Ariel, Aurora, Jasmine, and Snow White. That is really cool. And apparently, if you are lucky to be dining during dinner, you get a spectacular view of the fireworks from inside Cinderella's castle. That is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah. One other location I wanted... Well, actually, two others that I wanted to shout out. The first was Hollywood and Vine, which is in Disney's Hollywood Studios. In the morning, it's a Disney Junior breakfast. So you get to meet people like Doc McStuffin, Sophia the First, Jake and the Neverland Pirates, and Roadster Goofy. And that's... So obviously, that one is like straight up for all the little ones out there. Yeah. Um, And then they change. They do rotate their characters. So at, at dinner time, it's Minnie Mouse... And you get to interact with Minnie, Mickey, Donald, Daisy, Goofy in their best seasonal outfits. So depending on the season, then that's going to change what they're wearing. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And then we didn't mention at all Chef Mickey's, which is the um, restaurant in the Contemporary. I mean, I mentioned it that I had been there, but nobody on our list said that that was their favorite. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Chef Mickey's is a bit of a chaos situation. And... (laughs) That's that's one of the things that I think about when I think about the character dining uh, buffet style meals, because 
you're balancing like going up and getting food with trying to be at the table when the characters come by. And I mean, you, you get an opportunity because if you happen to miss them, they're going to come back by at some point. But then you're also dealing with like everybody getting up and down, lots of people moving around. That's one of the nice things about going to one of the restaurants where the food is brought to the table because you don't have all the extra people up walking around and everything. It's just really the characters moving from table to table and then the servers bringing food. So yeah. it makes it a less chaotic experience, which is why I think Ohana is so high in my mind, like as compared to Chef Mickey's. Chef Mickey's is cool because you're in the contemporary. The monorail gets to come in and go by while you're enjoying your food. And it's the Fab Five, which are always amazing to meet. It's not like the most amazing environment because you're just in the, you know, atrium of the contemporary, but it's still, you know, it's yeah, a cool yeah, it's experience. Cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm saying it's good, but it's it's just different. I say at some point we're just going to have to try all of them. We'll get a chance to. Yeah. I mean, we will be living here, so we should be able to. Yeah, we'll knock them all out. What's the first one you would want to try, Garrett, out of the ones mm. we talked about? <sighs> Spinning one. The garden grill? Yep. And then we'll just hop right on over on living with the land. What about you, Sam? I think I would try the one on the boardwalk, um, just because I heard that they have a really good Bloody Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Did you not get burned by your Bloody Mary today? No. What? Why would I get burned by it? Because you said it it was like it didn't have any alcohol in it. Yeah, but it still tastes good. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I'm going to, if I was going to make a top three, I'd say Garden Grill, Trattoria Al Forno, and then I'd put Tusker House up there, too, because I feel like I need to try that jungle juice. Okay. Those work for me. I'm sold on the jungle juice. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't mind going to the one with all the princesses and um, Epcot. Akershis. Yeah, I can't say it. So. I've heard people say that so many different ways. I don't know that I'm saying it right. <laughs> Who knows? Garrett, try it. Akershish. <laughs> You're adding an extra. Akershish. 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 Arkershus. Arkershus. <laughs> I can't s- stop saying shush. <laughs> Good job, guys. Akershus. Yep. Akershus. You nailed it. Let's ask Elsa next time we see her. Okay. So one of the comments that somebody made on our Twitter conversation was just that it's expensive. And so how do you justify doing it? And, and I guess my point is... The experience. It is about the experience, and especially if you can get a good lineup like you've got at Akershus. Um, basically, what you're paying... Akershus. Yeah. Basically, what you're paying for is the is to not have to stand in line to meet all those amazing characters. You yeah. Know, hopefully, you're getting enough food. You're getting a good meal, but also, you're getting some really good interactions with the characters, and that way, you know, maybe that kind of checks that off the list so when you're in the parks you don't have to go worry about standing in those lines you can worry about standing in line for soren <laughs> i recommend you do it though I, I think it's a fun experience make sure you bring your autograph books make sure you have your cameras ready to go and uh and have fun with it who's not having fun when you're shoving food in your face most of these are be- are all you can eat or or buffets so right i'm usually pretty happy when i'm in a all you can eat situation garrett's not it's because I, I won't eat that much. Garrett likes to go to eat as little as you want situations. Well, <laughs> I like going to a buffet because I can just like pick what I want, but I don't pick a lot. Yeah. I get a bunch of bacon. If they have bacon, I get a bunch of bacon. Oh, yeah. There's always like a golden light shining down on the bacon on the in the buffet line. Yeah. Oh. 
bacon. That's because it's meat candy. (laughs) All right. Well, that's all I've got for today. You guys have anything else to add before we wrap it up? I really like bacon. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just... uh, The team won. So the Super Bowl. The team won. Oh, yeah. The team won. Congratulations to the team. You can't say Super Bowl, by the way. You have to say the big game. The big game. Why? The NFL will sue your pants off. Oh, well, the big game. Congratulations to the team for winning the big game. Yeah, but did you see that one call? Mm, That other team's pretty mad about that, I'm sure. Yeah. Sam, anything from you? No, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and bringing back some reviews on stuff. So keep suggesting stuff for me. And as long as you don't try to poison me with pineapple, you can even give me food suggestions for restaurants that you'd like for me to review for you. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter at Morning Monorail. Let us know where you want Sam to go eat and give you a food review. I say from now on what you need to do is ask the servers for their suggestion of what you should try. Okay. Maybe you'll start getting some signature kind of meals and and you'll get a little better taste for what the restaurant actually brings to the table. Drinks, I feel like you you're in, you know, you you're on your own there. You're you and you can handle that, but but food, maybe get some suggestions. Okay. I got it, honey. Next week's going to be a little bit different show. So, I encourage you to come back for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Don't worry. Lots of laughs and good times are going to be had, but it's going to be a different lineup of monorail characters. And uh, you just call me a character. It's going to be a very special Valentine's edition of the Monday Morning Monorail. So light some candles, put on your favorite Luther Vandross, and just kick out the Monday Morning Monorail dulcet tones. It'll be a romantic um, experience for all of us. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be so romantic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, until then, thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for riding with us today. We hope you enjoyed the journey, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Until then, we want to hear from you. Send us questions, comments, and suggestions on Twitter at Morning Monorail. Our email address is mondaymorningmonorail at gmail.com. You can also call our voicemail at 407-917-2144. As we approach the station, gather your belongings and please watch your step as you exit. <laughs> See y'all real soon.